Hello, this is Pastor Patrick Hines uh, here at Biddle Heights Presbyterian Church, and uh, welcome to today's program. This will be the first ever installment of Making Heresy Orthodox, the Making Heresy Orthodox game. And I actually started recording this, but the, the camera on my computer is just being really slow, and it's like all chopping stuff up. So I have a, a, a newer uh, iPhone. It's actually already outdated. It's an iPhone 12, um, but it takes really nice video, so I'm going to be using it. Uh, for a while for these programs, and I've got a nice little stand for it here, so it, it points, I think, at the right direction here. But I actually recorded um, a response to the first couple, but I might just put those on sermon audio because I think those are pretty good. Actually, the first three. But this one, <laughs> this is a video someone here at church sent me to, to use for this game, and I just listened to it. It's one minute and 49 seconds. And uh, <clears throat> so I'm going to play this. And give the false teacher justification for it first. Okay, so I'll be wearing my false teacher hat while I'm playing it the first time. And then I'm going to play it again and, and, um, and respond to what's wrong with it. Because there is a lot wrong with this. Um, but let, let me go ahead and, and play it. And I, I might just stop it a couple times along the way here. But I'm, I'm wearing my false teacher hat now. And I'm going to try to use smooth words of flattery. And uh, uh, subtleties of speech and contradictions and all that kind of thing to to make this orthodox and good. So here here it is. This is Stephen Furtick. What is the purpose of the church? I want Elevation Church to be a church for the overlooked, for the unloved. Not for us to have as many different varieties of Bible studies. We got Beth Moore and Kay Arthur and Joyce Meyer. No, you know what we got we got Jesus. Amen. That's what that's all we need. Okay, we don't need a million Bible studies. You know, we, we want to be a church for the overlooked. I mean, how could anyone possibly find fault with that, right? We preach him. We preach so that people can come to faith in Christ, and we want them to get in a small group and serve so that other people can meet Christ. If you know Jesus, I am sorry to break it to you. This church is not for you. Right, and all he's saying is we want to be an evangelistic church. We're just, we're, we want to focus on doing outreach and evangelism. We want to take the kingdom of God out there into the world, and we're going to use our Sunday morning service. We're going to make that sacrifice for the Lord uh, and turn it into an evangelistic outreach. And that's what, you know, if you're if you're here uh, for any other reason, then I'm sorry, but this is, this is not the place for you. All he's saying is we need to be more evangelistic, and how can you fault that? Yeah, but I just gave my life to Christ last week at Elevation. Last week was the last week that Elevation Church existed for you. All he's saying is we need to be evangelistic and we, we want to be evangelistic and we want we want our services uh, to meet the unbeliever where they are because we want others to know Jesus. We've got Jesus and we, we want others to know Jesus. You're in the army now. We do one thing. We preach Jesus so people far from God can know Jesus. And then we train them up. So and he's not saying that's the only thing that we do. He, he's just saying that's our emphasis and that's what we want to do. We want to see people go to heaven. We want to see people come to know Christ. And how could you fault that? That others can know Jesus. It's called Kingdom Multiplication. It's what Elevation Church is all about. And over 500 people have given their lives to Jesus for the first time in this church in the last five months. That's over 100 per month. And how can you possibly argue with success? How can you argue with success? Look at how the Lord is blessing us. Look at how the Lord's blessing this this focus, this laser focus on evangelism and outreach. And how dare you have anything negative to say about this? If that doesn't get you excited and you need the doctrines of grace as defined by John Calvin to excite you, you in the wrong church. 
Let me get a phone book. There are 720 churches in Charlotte. I'm sure we can find one where you can stuff your face until you're so obese spiritually that you can't even move. Yeah, because we're not, I mean, we, we want to win people to Christ. We're about the lost. And how can you fault a church that wants to do evangelism? So few churches are, are even trying to do evangelism anymore. And that's all he's getting at. That's all he's really saying. We just need to be more evangelistic. That's all he's saying. This is a church that wants to get you on the field, playing the game, changing lives, looking for an opportunity to impact. It's what we're all about. We're focused like a laser. We're not perfect, but we know what we came to do. Luke 19.10, seek and save that which is lost. It's the mission of Jesus. It's the mission of Elevation Church. And may we never become a church of front row spectators who judge the deeds being done more than we care about the people that Jesus wants to save. And how could anyone possibly find fault with that? Okay, let me take my false teacher hat off. <laughs> There's so much wrong with everything you just heard. Okay, so now now I've got my uh, my uh, normal hat back on. So let's listen to this again, y'all. You need to you need to catch this. I want Elevation Church to be a church for the overlooked. Now, th again, I I just would say, how could anyone find fault with that? I mean, and, and I'm I'm serious. You, you do want to have a heart for the people that are normally overlooked. You want to have a heart for the lost. You want to have a heart for people that, that are normally ignored or wouldn't feel welcome in a church or, or things like that, of course. For the unloved. Not for us to have as many different varieties of Bible studies. We got Beth Moore and Kay Arthur and Joyce Meyer. I, I found it fascinating. Every author he just mentioned, number one, is a woman. and Number two is a false teacher. <laughs> Okay, Beth Moore, I think, you know, at one time was, was fairly, you know, se seemed fairly solid, but she's into, the, into all sorts of charismatic wacko stuff. Now, I wouldn't recommend her at all, but listen to these other names. Varieties of Bible studies. Listen. Beth Moore and Kay Arthur and Joyce Meyer. No. Joyce Meyer is a word of faith heretic. Joyce Meyer is part of the prosperity, weird Kenneth Copeland like world. Okay, so you need to understand, this guy's not coming at this from a, a, a biblical uh, understanding of the gospel, a, a biblical understanding of church growth, or even of what evangelism is. You know what we got? We got Jesus. We preach him. That, that's, so, that's so typical of America. We don't want all this theology. Just give me Jesus. We don't get into all this stuff. We've got Jesus. You know, even even uh, Federal Vision men, I've heard them say that. Well, this is not. I don't want a bunch of theological propositions. It's about Jesus," said uh, Steve Schlissel once. We preach so that people can come to faith in Christ, and we want them to get in a small group and serve so that other people can meet Christ. If you know Jesus, I am sorry to break it to you: this church is not for you. This is one of the biggest problems. This is what um, Rick Warren uh, pointed out in the Purpose Driven Church, that book. I remember the first time I ever heard anyone say that, that the church is really not for Christians. It's for outreach and evangelism. And the irony of this is that it's only when the church sees itself as for Christians that it's of any use to non-Christians. And so what does this guy really think? What is the key to winning the world for Christ? Look, act, dress, think, walk, talk, and have your, your music, your style, your worship, your delivery, your illustrations be as worldly as they can possibly be. And then you'll win everybody to Christ.
my next door neighbor many years ago, this guy, you know, I've witnessed to him many times and this is back up in Fairfield, Ohio and really nice guy and had kind of a rough background and he would never come to church because he said the church was too far away from where he lived. And then his, his brother suddenly died and he comes knocking on my door you know, my, my brother died and I'm not sure what's going to happen when I die. I'm like, wow. Uh, so let's talk. So I had a chance to share the gospel with him again. And unbeknownst to me, he was planning on trying to go to church. And he hadn't been to church in probably 30-something years. But he got up and he got dressed. He cleaned himself up, shaved, put a coat and tie on, <laughs> and showed up at some local church. It was a vineyard. And he said he was in shock. He said, I walked in there. I felt so like overdressed and the guy that stood up there, he didn't say anything that was like even remotely spiritual. It just, it looked like a, like a rock concert. And I thought I'm never coming back here again. Isn't that amazing? The spirit of God's at work in someone's heart. And he goes somewhere, he goes to a church looking for bread. And what's he given a stone instead. It's unbelievable. These, these people there, they are on the, what they think is the pious high ground. And they're not winning lost people to Christ. These mega churches like this, they don't win lost people to Christ. They empty out every community church in the area by attracting people with the latte bar, the bagels, the rock concert, and the anecdotal sermons that don't require any attention, that don't require you to engage your mind at all. They make the, the church, the congregation, into the audience of worship rather than seeing God as the audience of worship. We are here for him we're not here to be entertained. The sheep don't come to be entertained. We're here to worship the lamb. They're not winning the lost. They're alienating them. The ones in whom the spirit of God is at work, they're not going to find anything in places like this. Yeah, but I just gave my life to Christ last week. And I'll There's another thing. What does that mean? I just gave my life to Christ. That's a, that's a phrase. You need to discard it from your vocabulary because it's meaningless. It's meaningless. I gave my life to Christ. That doesn't communicate anything does that mean you believed the gospel that you felt convicted of sin and now you're trusting in christ alone to go to heaven is that what gave my life to christ means who knows what it means but for these people hey you tip your hat towards jesus you're good to go you're going to you're going to heaven no no discussion of repentance no discussion of being convicted of your sin none of that what is that you're, that you're trusting in for eternal life at the judgment it's i gave my life to christ what is being communicated in that? Nothing biblical, I assure you. Last week was the last week. Yeah, listen to this. I gave my life to Christ last week at Elevation. <laughs> last week was the last week that Elevation Church existed for you. <laughs> so that that church, and, and in scripture, what is a church? It's a gathering of Christians. It's a gathering of born-again Christians and their households gathered around the preaching of the word and the administration of the sacraments. That's what a church is. So when you became a Christian, this church is no longer for you. So it's only for non-believers. It's only for people. It's like, once you're born again, this church isn't for you anymore. See, it's such a, it's not a question of, well, is it for Christians or is it for non-Christians? It's primarily a place where the redeemed of God worship God. And the irony, as I said, it is only when the church sees itself that way that it will be of any use in the saving of the souls of the lost.
And so the, the irony could not, in, in the name of evangelism, these people are destroying any chance of evangelism. You're in the army now. We do one thing. We preach Jesus so people far from God can know Jesus. And then we train them up so that others can know Jesus. It's called kingdom multiplication. It's what else? See, but no, notice. So where are you trained up to do that? In small groups. Sundays, this is what Rick Warren communicates this, and many, many, many other church growth gurus. I think Bill Hybels would probably say this, you know, same sorts of things. Now, the church is, is your evangelistic outreach. You you learn and grow in your small group or, or at some other weekly gathering on Thursday or something. That That's when you have the service for Christians to be fed. But but the, the church's primary existence is, is just there to try to win people to Christ. Certainly, that's a big part of it. But the primary work of the church is the worship of God, which includes obedience to the Great Commission and winning lost people to Christ. But that's not the one thing that we do. And that's just grossly out of balance. And that's why, that's why so many people that go to these sorts of places will grow up and um, realize they were never were converted because they've never heard the gospel before. Elevation Church is all about, and over 500 people have given their life. Here you go. This is, this is the pragmatic part. This is the part that Machen said, you got to guard against this. This is how Charles Finney destroyed destroyed the credibility of American Christianity. This exact same kind of thing. We have had 500 people commit their lives to Christ every month for the, for the past five months. You know, Charles Finney at these revival meetings they, they had in the 1800s there, they would publish in the newspapers, such and such hundreds of people gave their lives to Christ and they're, they're saved. And you know how that destroyed the credibility of Christianity? Because the watching world could see it was a charade. And that these people, in fact, were not converted. Because Finney thought, he's the one saving them. I coaxed the decision out of them. They're now Christians. They're going to heaven. Rather than you preach Christ and him crucified. And you, you look and see. Do you see the fruit of that work? You preach the gospel. You witness to people. You call them to faith and repentance. God is the one who saves. I don't declare to people, so-and-so raised their hand or said they wanted to be a Christian. I would wait a while. You wait until you see some... Real change and real fruit there before you just declare this many people came to know Christ. That destroyed the credibility of Christianity 200 years ago. Lo and behold, they're doing it again today. The same pragmatic, we're on the pious high ground. We care about evangelism. All you fat Calvinists care about is feeding your face. He's going to say that here in a minute. Jesus, for the first time in this church in the last five months, that's over a hundred per month. Yeah, notice he added the qualification for the first time. Because apparently in this theology, you can commit your life to Christ or give, give your life to Christ like 17 times in your life. And coming out of circles like this when I was in college, yeah, I committed my life to Christ 100 times too. Because I had nothing to do with the gospel. If that doesn't get you excited and you need the doctrines of grace as defined by John Calvin to excite you, you in the wrong church. Let me get a phone book. There are 720 <laughs> churches in Charlotte. I'm sure we can find one where okay, you can well, listen, it, and you need the doctrines of... Listen to this again. ...per month. Okay, so here's... Let's boast about our numbers. If that doesn't get you excited and you need the doctrines of grace as defined by John Calvin to excite you, you in the wrong church. Let me get a... <sighs> wow. You need the doctrines of grace to excite you? I mean, he is absolutely mocking that idea. I really believe a clear 
proclamation from scripture of the great passages like John 6, John 10, John 17, Ephesians 1, Romans 9, and many other passages that God is God and you're not him. And apart from his sovereign working, you are lost. That is what engenders deep repentance. Not this. Not this. And just as those converts, quote unquote, under Charles Finney in the 1800s and those that followed in the wake of the Second Great Awakening, those converts did not stand because they weren't real converts. You have the same thing today. You know, I wrote a paper when I was in seminary, wrote a paper on um, the church growth movement and the, the harsh realities of it. There are more people going out the back door of these churches than there are coming in the front. And about once every three years, the entire congregation, those thousands of faces, will be a thousand new faces because all the other ones have moved on. They're like spiritual locusts. They just go from one place to another, consuming everything because we've turned God into a commodity that we consume. And everything's about consumption. Everything's about niche marketing. Everything's about that kind of thing. I mean, why is this guy dressed the way he is? Why is he, why are there these weird looking logos and there's an electric guitar hanging up on the thing? What are people attracted to here? Is it the word of God? Is it they see their sin? It's all the trappings. It's all this other stuff. You might as well stand up and say, we have no confidence in the Bible. We have no confidence in the preached gospel to do its work. None. And we think that God needs our help to bring people to Christ. Well, it, it breaks my heart. I'm all for, let's, let's get excited about numbers of people actually coming to Christ and give God the glory for it. But if you're going to mock the idea that if you need the doctrines of grace to get you excited, here, listen to what he says here. A phone book. There are 720 churches in Charlotte. I'm sure we can find one where you can stuff your face until you're so obese spiritually that you can't even move. This is... Wow. Isn't that... That, that is so typically American. There's a great book um, by Richard Hofstadter, was his name. It was published in 1964, won the Pulitzer Prize that year. It's called Anti-Intellectualism in American Life. And uh, Hofstadter, who's not... I don't believe it was a Christian... Um, there's a couple chapters in there about Protestant revivalism and how that created the anti-intellectual culture that dominates American um, culture today. This is just a great example of the church following the world and being like the culture rather than leading it. We need to engage our minds. You want to do real evangelism? I've told people this all the time. Memorize the Westminster Shorter Catechism and you'll be a lot better at evangelism. You need to study theology. You need to know what the doctrines of grace are. Because if you're preaching the gospel, you're talking all about grace. People need to know what that is. You know, and it's, it's this pious, we're above all this. I don't get into the debates, as one of my pastors told me long ago. I'll leave that to the scholars. I just want to win people to Christ. That's so typically American. This is the church being just like the world following the spirit of the age rather than going to the word of God to define the way it thinks about these things from scripture. This is a church that wants to get you on the field, playing the game, changing lives. Right, because you can't be interested in theology and want to get on the field and play the game and change lives. Oh, no, 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 can't do that. You, if, you, if you're interested in the doctrines of grace, it's only because you just want to sit somewhere and become an obese Christian who doesn't do anything. See, it's the fallacy of the false dilemma. Either you're an anti-intellectual like me and understand the church only exists for non-Christians and to do evangelism, or you're a, a spiritually obese, uh, obese uh, worshiper of John Calvin or something. I mean, that, that's so typically American.
and you know what? It's interesting. I, you know, historically, that kind of that kind of is unique to American culture um, because the the pragmatic uh, spirit that dominates the way American thinks it comes into the church is what Pelagianism and anti intellectualism, just like this. Looking for an opportunity to impact. It's what we're all about. We're focused like a laser. We're not perfect, but we know what we came to do. Luke 19.10, seek and save that which is lost. It's the mission of Jesus. It's the mission of Elevation Church. And may we never become a church of front row spectators who judge the deeds being done more than we care about the people that Jesus wants to save. False dilemma. Um <laughs> We, we should uh, judge deeds being done by the word of God, and we should care about the people Jesus came to save. It's not caring about this one more than the other. It's, it's always the fallacy of the false dilemma. It's either you agree with us or you don't care about people. I mean, that's the way these people always think. That's the way they talk. Either you agree with the way we do everything or you don't care about people. Okay, that's the way that the, the men on the floor of the PCA General Assembly in 2018 talked about all this gay stuff. It's... Either you're good with side B or you just don't care about people. You just hate everybody. And it's like, no. In fact, you're the ones that are being hateful by, by pigeonholing people, making them think that there's no way, nothing they can do to ever extricate themselves from this sin or that they, they can never be free from it or have any hope that God could sanctify them at all. You guys are the ones that are, that are being hateful. But anyway... So, you know, my, the initial part of this program was uh, um, listening to that and just trying to, you know, make it sound good. But there was so much wrong with what was just said there. The church is for Christians. It's for Christians to worship God, to be fed spiritually, and to be equipped to go out into the world as salt and light. The church's primary uh, purpose for gathering on the Lord's Day is not evangelism. And the irony is, when it thinks that it is its primary purpose, it doesn't do evangelism. It doesn't do evangelism. Instead, it does this worldly stuff. It tries to attract people with everything except the doctrines of grace and the truth of God. So there you go. That's the first episode. I've got a bunch more quotes here. I'm going to start using my phone because my, my camera on my computer is not working right. But anyway, thank you all for watching or for listening. Pastor Patrick Hines of Bridwell Heights Presbyterian Church in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can visit us on the web at bridwellheightschurch.com where all the sermons and podcasts are put into our sermon audio feed, which is accessible in iTunes as well as the podcast app. You are welcome to join us any Sunday morning for Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. and then worship for everyone at 11 a.m. If you ever have any questions about the Christian faith or the Bible, you can email me at pastor at bridwellheightschurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.